Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Ezra. And um, I'm going to go to the book of Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. There are several scriptures that I'm going to be referring to, but I'm just going to read the first three. But uh, for the sake of time, I won't read everything. I'll just kind of refer to them as we go. But if you'll just go there, Ezra 1, stay and uh, camp out there for a little while. I'll make a couple of other references to other places. But I want the Spirit of God to touch our heart today. I really want the Spirit of the Lord to touch our heart today. Ezra 1 and 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, the king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you today that God will use who he will. And he'll speak through who he must. Amen. The power, the presence of God will speak and he will speak expressly. The wonderful news is, is that God can speak to you and I. And we have the opportunity to respond to what God is saying. Amen. And we know the story of the Lord using a donkey at one point to speak. And for the lack of a better term, we know that God also used a rooster <laughs> to speak and preach a, a powerful message of conviction. That's all it took. That's all it took. And so here we find now God is using the king of Persia. He is using Cyrus, the king of Persia. And that the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him and made a proclamation. He didn't just say it, but he was bold enough to write it down. I'm not just gonna say this and then later I'll be able to deny it, but I'm gonna write this down. And he said that the Lord who among his people, his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem. And so here we find these prophetic words of Jeremiah coming full circle. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He was called to prophesy difficult messages during difficult times to the children of Israel. By and large, the children of Israel really never responded. I mean, he preached without 
um, he preached without response to, to, to say maybe in our language. And Jeremiah, as he prophesied, now judge, the judgment of God came about and, and many people lost their lives. And the ones that lived, just a small remnant, they found themselves carried off into exile. They were imprisoned, if you please, hostage against their will, carried away from their homes, carried away many times from their families and were broken up and they were separated from the temple, which was their place of worship. And the temple was seen to be a place, at least in view for the people, that was the place where the spirit or the power of God dwelled. So in a sense, when they were separated from the temple, because they, this is of course prior to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and so we have the spirit of God in us, dwelling in us, but when they were separated from the temple, which represented the power of God, in essence, to be separated from the temple was to be separated from God. And so it's more than just being alone uh, in exile, but they are separated from God. So here in Ezra, we see that the judgment of God had indeed been carried out. 70 years of exile, which had been prophesied that you will be carried away, but this 70 years is now coming to an end. And so the gate is about to open. The sentence has been, has been served, if you, if you please. The book of Ezra and Nehemiah tell the story of the people being allowed to return home, to, back, to go back to their homeland, and they can now begin to rebuild the city. And, and more importantly, they can begin to rebuild the temple. And so as we read here in the book of Ezra, we see that God moved on the heart of this common king. Verse number one tells us that Cyrus made this proclamation throughout all of his land, something that had been prophesied all the way back in Jeremiah 29. And so I'm gonna go there, Jeremiah 29 and verse 10. The Bible says this, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, my Lord. And my Lord, this is not some weird, twisted game of cat and mouse. This is not some weird, twisted game of hide and seek where someone much more skilled is able to hide. But I will be found of you. How many adults have ever played hide and seek with children and you just hide yourself in an obvious place? I mean, you know, you're shrewd enough. You know where the attic ladder is. You know how to really get out of sight. I mean, you could win this if you wanted to, but God said, if you will search for me with all that you have, like a good father, <laughs> like a good father, you can search for me and you will, I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all nations and from all places, whether I have driven you, saith the Lord, I will bring you again to the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. This was what God said going in. And now in our reading in Ezra, the sentence is served. Time is up. 
Isaiah also prophesied about uh, about this in Isaiah 44 and 28. And here, Isaiah calls Cyrus by name. And so in Isaiah 44 and 28, he said, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform my pleasure. Even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. And so God is using the most unorthodox voice in all of this to make these proclamations. Isaiah 45 and 13, the, the Lord moved upon Isaiah, said, I have raised him up in righteousness, speaking of Cyrus, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. God said, I am gonna touch his heart. He's not doing this because he's getting something out of it. I'm not buying him off. I'm not paying him off, but I'm telling you something divine is gonna move in his heart, and he got up and spoke it and he wrote it down and he said you are going to be able to go back home and rebuild your homes and you're going to be able to rebuild the temple. These prophecies were written hundreds of years earlier and then here in the book of Ezra we read about the fulfillment of these prophecies. So scripture tells us that God moved upon the heart of Cyrus. Now I'm not just suggesting that I'm the high water mark, but I'll share something with you today. I pray, I try to pray this every day, that God would give me favor within and favor without. I don't just need favor with God in heaven. I don't just need favor with good, good Christian people, Holy Ghost filled people, but I'm gonna ask you Lord today, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I'm gonna face. I don't know who I'm gonna meet. I don't know whose hand I will shake, but I'm asking you to give me favor within and favor without. And I'll tell you that when Nehemiah left home to go build the wall, to rebuild the wall, the king who had no vested interest Amen. You you folks in the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. He said, I'm gonna give you letters and you can go. He had no vested interest, but he said, you're gonna have my blessings. And I'm gonna tell you today that I believe that God can move on anyone at any time and they can set the wheels in motion that we need to be set in motion. <coughs> Amen, so Cyrus issues this proclamation so that Jerusalem can be restored. Now it's fascinating that God would use a man who was really not even following him, but he seemed to be used of God, at least in this, he seemed rather willing to be used of God, at least in this instance. Cyrus was not, not only issued this proclamation, but he got behind this thing financially. He opened a way for others to be able to support this Financially, In verse number three, a, a part of the proclamation that I read in our text, Cyrus says, anyone may go. We're gonna open the gate and there are no restrictions, there's no catch. If you wanna go, you can go. So when the Lord opened the way for an entire Jewish the entire Jewish population to, to return to Jerusalem, which was their homeland, wouldn't you think there would have been a mad rush at the gate? We're going home. 70 years of our sentence has been served. Amen. I don't mean this to sound any way out of the way, 
but I have been standing at the gate when men were getting out of prison. We have been arriving to go in when someone had served their last day and they were standing there. They're not downtrodden. They're not looking at this with disdain. Well, I'm gonna tell you, they got what they call street clothes on for the first time in many, many years and they are ready. All they need somebody to do is just open that door and they're not looking back. You would think that would be the climate of what we're reading about today. Ezra 1 and 5, the Bible says, then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised. So we're talking about God's people here to go build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Now you would think that everybody's packing their clothes. You would think, my Lord, this is the day, tears, salty tears running down their face. Jeremiah was right, 70 years, it's down, it's done and, and, and now we're no longer down and out, but we're gonna be lifted up out of this horrible pit. You would think everybody would be excited at the idea of going back home, but then comes the response to this problem proclamation, amen, the Bible says in the families, the heads of Judah, the heads of Benjamin, the priests, the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved prepared to go up and build the house in Jerusalem. But there seems to be something eerily wrong with this passage of scripture. There seems to be something out of balance, something out of place, something that's missing in Ezra chapter two. We see that about 50,000 people decide to go. So while some decided to go, there were many more who just decided to stay. I'll just let that marinate a moment. We've been called captive. We've been held against our will. The Lord said this is gonna be for seven decades, for 70 years through the mouth of Jeremiah. And sure enough, when they turn the calendar page and 70 years has done, true to his word, they're gonna open the door and we're gonna get to go home. But many decided that we are happy right where we are. The scripture doesn't tell us for sure why some stayed, but we may have uh, some easy uh, uh, things that we can summarize or at least suspect. For one thing, to get back home, it wasn't going to be an easy journey. It was not gonna be an overnight thing. It was gonna be largely uphill, and I mean that by way of terrain. When Cyrus said in verse number three, you can go back up to Jerusalem, that was not a figure of speech. Jerusalem was at a much higher altitude than Babylon. And so if you wanna get out of here, you're welcome to get out of here, but I just want you to know you're welcome to go back up to Jerusalem. Obviously that sin and captivity always takes you down. They had been carried down to Babylon, but the Lord said you can go. And through the mouth of Cyrus, he said you can go back up to Jerusalem. But I just wonder if somebody said, I don't know if I feel like climbing today. I don't know if I feel like all the burning muscles in my legs. I don't know if I'm willing to face the danger of what I may encounter along the way when Ezra in chapter eight himself is preparing to make this journey. Ezra begins to pray and he's praying because he knows it's gonna be a long journey. This is not gonna be an overnight deal. If I'm correct in my calculations, it's somewhere around 900 miles, mostly, of course, on foot, across difficult terrain. The possibility of bandits, of course, would be on every side. We see some of the details of this in Ezra chapter one. They were carrying also treasures. Treasures, we're gonna take treasures 
treasures back to the house of God. Amen. There were some things in their hands. Can you, can you imagine with me today that somebody said, you don't have to be here. You can go home. I don't know how many here have ever been in the hospital for extended stays. I haven't been for an extended stay, thank God, but I've been in the hospital before. And I'm gonna tell you when they said, you can go home, I, I, was, reaching, I was reaching for my street clothes. <laughs> when they said you can go home you're on the phone with somebody saying I want you to meet me downstairs they said I can get out of here we don't care what time of the day what time of the night I can get out of here so I'm going to get out of here and somebody said well that might be a long way home that'll be alright it, it may be a difficult journey getting back that'll be alright amen it, it, it may be an uphill climb that will be alright you may have to carry some things with you that will be alright my sentence is up. I don't want to stay one day longer. I want to get where God is wanting me to be. I'm asking you this morning. I'm asking me this morning. I'm asking anyone who may tune into this service, how are you going to respond when the Lord says you can get out of that pit you're in? When the Lord said, I'll set you free from sin. I'll set you free from the life of debauchery. I'm asking you, how are you going to respond? I know in our mind we would think, oh, I, I tell you, just lay it out of the way and let me get to that altar. In our mind, we may say, oh, if you'll just move out of the way, I'm going to that pool of baptism. But can I tell you, that's not how it always happens. Many Jews in captivity, you know, they had got acclimated to the society of their captivity. They'd grown comfortable where they are. They got to know the guy next door. Well, I mean, this is you know, this kind of become home to me. It is strange, and I didn't really intend to make this many prison references this morning, but it is strange that there are some that are in captive and they've been in captivity so long until they don't want to get out. I have personally spoken to men who have served decades of time and their philosophy is the world has changed so much while I've been in here. I'm not sure I can make the adjustment. I'm gonna tell you, I believe I'd wanna try. Amen, I believe I just wanna try to taste, see if I can just give this a shot, but somewhere the mind got captive. It wasn't just the hands and the feet that got captive. Somewhere their mind, their spirit, their soul got captive. Can I tell you this morning, amen, I want to preach to the church for just a moment. Amen. When somebody comes in and they're bound by sin and they've been held captive by sin for a long time, we are foolish to think we're going to pry them out of that pit with just three verses of a song. What we're going to have to have is some prayer and fasting and some anointing because it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. They don't need to come in to a dog and pony show. They don't need to come in to some entertainment. They've got to come into the pure power. Amen. The unadulterated power of the Holy Ghost that'll set men free. It'll break the chain of sin in the heart of a woman. It'll touch the heart of a young person that said, I can't go home the same way. I don't care if the sermon's not done. I got to get to the altar. I don't care if the song is not over. I got to get to the altar. I got to get to the altar. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm, yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. Do you know that some of them had just gotten so comfortable? I don't want to leave my home. Some of them in 70 years, their children had grown up there. Well, this is the only place my children have ever known. 
it's very possible many had married into that society. Well, if I, you know, my son leaves, I have to leave my daughter-in-law. If my daughter leaves, I have to leave my son-in-law. So we're just going to stay right here. And you talk yourself into staying in Babylon. Therefore, return to Jerusalem. That means giving up everything. That means letting go of some things that's going to make my life uncomfortable. In the truest sense, it would have meant starting over. Now think about it. And most people were just not willing to do I don't know if it's in me to start over again. And a lot of hard work rebuilding their lives, rebuilding the city, rebuilding the temple. So a great number of them just decided we're just, we're good, we're good right here. But thank God there were some who hearts, whose hearts the Lord was able to move into action, not just thought, but action. There were some who heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and they responded to what the Lord was saying. So how does this apply to us today on this April morning? First of all, I believe that we need to believe the words of prophecy. I really believe that we need to trust the words of prophecy. What God said, he will bring it to pass. It doesn't matter how many days go by. It doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter how many decades go by that your life is silent, your world is silent. If God told you something and really God told you something, you can write it down. You can write it down. The Bible still speaks to God's people today and that's why there are so many prophecies that have been fulfilled like the ones that we look at today. But there are others like the prophecy of the second coming of the Lord. I believe God is coming. Amen, I believe that God is coming. I, I know that you could think I'm being cynical here. I'm really not. I promise before the Lord, I'm not being cynical here. But our world has gone through a global pandemic. There are people that realize, I believe there are people that, that are not even really churchy people that realize something is going on. And I understand, I've mentioned this a few times in the last few months, and I'm not trying to hinge every sermon on COVID-19, but I'm just gonna tell you that regardless of what you wanna call it, COVID-19, or if it had been another name, another, another issue, nevertheless, there was a world shaking going on. In our estimation, you would think that the world is shaking. I'm talking about this is talked about at the restaurants. This is talked about at the barbershop. This is talked about at the hardware store. This is talked about at the beauty salon. This is talked about wherever you go. There's something going on in our world. There's a shaking going on in our world. People realize, I'm talking about people that are not church people. They're not Sunday, Wednesday church people, but they know something's going on. In my little old pinochle mind, I would think, well, we better get there early today, amen, because they're gonna be car, we're not gonna be able to park the car. You're not gonna be able to seat the people, but it just proved not to be that way. It just proved not to be that way. Everybody said, well, it's gonna be all right. We're gonna get through this somehow. And I'm gonna tell you, we are living right where I'm reading from today, that there are some, the call of God is going forth and we would think the lines would be long. You would think they would be down the street. Are you hearing me today? I thank God for this wonderful crowd here this morning, but you know, that's not what I'm talking about. You would think sinners would be banging on the door. Let me get in. I gotta get to that altar and repent. I gotta get to that pool of baptism. Amen. Hey preacher, you would think somebody would be beating on the door in the middle of the night. We gotta get in. We gotta get in. But people are looking around and saying, we're gonna make it. I'm comfortable here. Everything's gonna be all right. I don't know if my children wanna make this journey. I implore you, mom. I implore you, dad. Would you rise and start walking toward the temple? Would you rise and start walking toward the altar? And 
just may be that your family will follow you as well. Your children and your grandchildren and your friends and your neighbors, they need us today. How are we going to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in our heart? How are we going to respond? Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, oh, it's frightening. It's frightening to think that people would not respond to the moving of the Spirit. But it happens all the time. What I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, trust me, is not locked up in the book of Ezra. This is not a one-time event. This is not a one-off situation. Churches all across America, the Spirit of God's moving like it is right here today. And people will get up and walk that way. And they'll shake our hand on the front porch and say, I enjoyed that sermon. I enjoyed that singing. I enjoyed that music. Amen. God is trying to move the hearts of people. And my fear that by percentage it will just be a small group that responds. I'm not painting your world gray. I'm in the book. Matthew 7, 13, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Amen, this is the word of the Lord. There are many people going in thereat. But he said, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. It's not because God is hiding the path. It's not because God is concealing the door. It's not because God is playing with us and toying with our eternal salvation. No, no, no. I'm just gonna tell you that there are people this morning that decided I'm gonna stay in bed or I'm going to the hunting camp. I'm going to the golf course. I'm going to the lake. I'm going to the river and I'm gonna tell you our world is just rumbling. There is so much uncertainty in our world. Our world is rumbling. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the depth, the breadth. We do not know the magnitude of what's going on. There's not just things going on in our government. There's something going on in the spirit world and we need to understand that God is wanting to speak something expressly to the church and the question is how are you going to respond? Oh, Oh, call me, Lord, and let me respond. Call me, Lord. Amen. I'm not sure how or why this works, but it seems to work. My wife figured out, I don't know how long ago, many years now, that sometimes we're together in church and church settings. She'll, I'm going by, she'll, she's trying to get my attention. She'll say, Brother Boyd. Now, she doesn't call me Brother Boyd at home for the most part. <laughs> but when we're together in, in, in the church saying, she said, Brother Boyd, Brother Boyd, and she said, and, and you just don't answer when I say that. And so she figured out some time ago, she says, well, I'll, I'll just hear it. She'll say, husband. <laughs> and like a trained seal, I just stop. <laughs> I don't know. This is a weird psychology. I mean, I have no idea 
I mean, in a roar of a crowd, I can just hear her say husband. And she doesn't call me that at home either. And uh, some, some strange experiment, but it works. And, and then I'll hear her giggle and somebody hears her. She say, I don't know. He won't answer the other. But I say husband, he, he comes, you know, it's like. You know, <laughs> so I, <clears throat> based on this weird, weird illustration, I say, Lord, I want to hear you call me. Oh, if you have to call me something else to get my attention, I want to hear you call me. I don't want you to take offense to this by any stretch of the imagination because if anybody needs me, I want to be there for you. And if anybody's trying to flag me down in a crowd, I want to stop and talk to you and speak to you and, and see whatever the need may be in your life. And, and I mean that from my heart. Uh, so I'll tell you that, that I wouldn't want to ignore anybody. But it, it, would grie it grieves me to think that, that she calls me and I don't hear her. It grieves me to think that she needed me and I, and I got busy in the roar of the crowd and, and I just got overwhelmed and overwhelmed but I'm so thankful that somewhere along the way she figured out if I say husband he'll stop if I say husband he'll come back if I say husband I can get his attention I'm not trying to embarrass her and I'm not trying to hang our laundry out I'm trying to make a point here today I say Lord call me if I miss it when you say Steve if I miss it when you say do figure out something God that speaks to my heart do something God that gets my attention in the roar of the crowd of life Lord I want you to just be able to say one thing that stops me in my tracks. One thing I want to hear. That one thing that when I say, yes, Lord, speak. I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying this morning. How will you respond? How will I respond? I say, oh God, get a hold of my heart and let me walk toward Jerusalem. Let me walk toward the temple. It's not too much trouble. It's not too big of a deal. It's not too far away. I I won't mind the climb. I won't mind the climb. Oh my. Oh my, my, my. Can you hang in there with me for a few more minutes? Amen. That group re refused to be moved or to move. They had hardened their hearts to the voice of God. Listen, Paul, in writing to the church at Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, uh, through about verses 11 through 19 or 20, somewhere along in there, the apostle Paul addresses and makes several admonitions to the church. And he lists some things that the church should be doing or perhaps not doing. And so he says things like this, edify one another, know them which labor among you. Be at peace among yourselves. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Don't render evil for evil done to any man. Follow that which is good. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. We're reading down through all of these scriptures and Paul is admonishing the church to things that are as applicable today as they were the day when the ink was still wet. But then tucked among these wonderful truths is a powerful warning that behooves us to, to grasp. 
grass amid all of this not rendering evil amid, amid all of that doing good Paul said to the church quench not the spirit wow wow don't just be good to your neighbor don't just be kindly affection don't just not render evil for evil but tucked in the folds of all those instructions were just four powerful words that should stop us in our tracks. Quench not the spirit. If Paul said quench not the spirit, that means we have the capacity to do so. Furthermore, we've all done it. Everybody, everybody here is guilty. Quench the spirit. I mean, I see these people people whose hearts are hardened, people who know right from wrong, but they just seem to glory in doing wrong. I see people who know the right direction to take. They know what God would have them to do and they walk intentionally and purposefully of the other way. And my great fear is not only those are people sometimes that are outside the walls of the church, but my greater fear is the fact that that attitude can make its way into the church. And I'm going to tell you, no matter how great the call of God is on your life this morning, and no matter what kind of powerful future God would like to use you in today, you have the power to quench the Spirit. I believe that God has a divine call on several lives that are here today. It's a tricky thing right here because you can say yes or no. You're a free moral agent. You decide. God wants to build his church just as much as he did in Ezra's day. And he was trying to move on the hearts of his people and trying to get them to respond to the call and obey the Spirit's leading and guiding. He is speaking to his church and there are people that respond. Some have and some say, I don't know. Because some know what God is asking you to do is going to be up. It's going to require a lifestyle change. Now, I'm just going to preach to you today. It's going to require a new set of friends. It's going to require some lines in the sand. But if you're going to do what you know God has called you to do, let me tell you something. God's not going to stop calling you. And you get as far away from God as you want to be. You get as far away from God as you think you can get. Amen, geographically, but I'll promise you the call of God is gonna be right there. Yes, am I right? Yes, Amen, you were in the Middle East, am I correct? Amen, but did you leave God in Lafayette County? Did you leave, did you leave God? Did you leave God? Did you your granddaddy's prayer closet? I don't think so, but I believe God was talking to you in that tent. Amen, I believe that God was saying, Chris, you need to get back home. Amen, he wasn't talking about home geographically. He said, you need to get back to me. And so when the call of God is upon your life, amen, he said, you're gonna have to go up. You're gonna have to take some things with you. You're gonna do some building when you get there. I'm preaching to some young people here today, amen, that you need to say no to the devil. Amen, you, just, you need to say no to sin. I'm not going there. I know what God has spoke to my heart. I know what God has laid on my heart. I know the dreams that God has given me. I know the visions that God has given me. Why don't you yield your hands to do something powerful for God? Why don't you yield your mind to do something powerful for God? Why don't you yield your talents to do something powerful for the kingdom of God? It's gonna require you getting up. It's gonna require you walking away. It's gonna require you climbing a few things. It's gonna require, it's gonna require some deleting friends. It's gonna require a new friends list.
this. It's going to require surrounding yourself with something. But I'm going to tell you, not everybody is wanting you to get to your destiny. And the devil will put as many people in your path to keep you from there as he can. But I'm asking you to have guts enough to rise. I'm having, asking you to have backbone enough to stand up and say, not today, devil. Not today. You're not going to get my life. How will you respond? How, how will you respond? You see, pardon the, pardon the personal reference. The men will understand what I'm saying here. It's not how Brother Joel uh, Urshan responded. It's not brother how Brother Aaron Bounds responded. We already know how they responded. Brother Urshan accepted the call to ministry at 10 years old, was evangelizing at 14. We already know how he responded. That's the question's not on the table today. The question that God is asking is, how are you? What are you gonna do with the call that God's placed upon your life? Don't think it's going away. Mm. My, 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 I feel like, let's, let's stand. Can we just across this building? I'm gonna ask musicians to come if you will. Amen. We're standing at a dangerous crossroads today. We're standing at a powerful crossroads. I got to decide. I got to decide. I got to make up my mind what I'm going to do. Amen. How will you respond? Mm. How will you respond? Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. Come on. Let's take it up a level now. Let's take it up a notch here in prayer. Let's take it up a notch here in intercession. When the altar call is given, some are gonna turn their back and walk away knowing God is speaking to their heart, knowing that they need to respond, yet they just refuse. I'm telling you today, your reasons may be as valid in this 21st century as they were in Ezra's day. Amen. Maybe you're afraid the difficult the journey is too difficult. Maybe you're afraid that, that that you know walking with Jesus is going to be an uphill climb. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to have to leave some things behind. But can I tell you, you'll never regret what you give up for God. You'll never regret what you give up for God. You'll never this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.